The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here's your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, good people, and welcome to the Main Street Vegan Podcast on Unity Online Radio. I usually say I'm coming to you from my dining room table in beautiful uptown Manhattan. Well, not anymore. I am a construction work refugee, and for about the next six months, I am going to be speaking to you from a shiny conference center at the team co-working space in my neighborhood. And I got to tell you, this is so weird because I have not worked in an office since 1989. <laughs> and it's, it's just funny, but I'm really grateful because this way we can talk with some peace and no grinding noises in the background. And oh, what we're going to be talking about today, you do want to hear loud and clear. We're going to be talking about vegans and something vegans love, which is food. Now, the food part will be after the break when we bring on TV chef Jason Robel and his new book, Eat. Eternity. <laughs> but now I am in total anticipatory mode to find out how many Americans really are vegan and vegetarian. Well, who knows that? The Vegetarian Resource Group knows that. They've been polling about this subject since the 1990s, and we are going to hear the results of the latest Harris Poll commissioned by Vegetarian Resource Group from Charles Stoller. Charles is the co-director of the Vegetarian Resource Group and editor of Vegetarian Journal. 
the VRG's book, Simply Vegan, which is great, simple recipes using food everybody understands and probably already has in their kitchen, has sold over 100,000 copies. Charles has been vegetarian since 1975 and vegan since 1977, beating me by a full six years. <laughs> Welcome, Charles Stoller. Hi, Victoria. How are you? <laughs> oh, I'm terrific. It's wonderful, Great. wonderful to have you. Because I, I've never gotten to know you really well, but I have talked with you and, and Deborah, your partner in whatever the opposite of crime is, your partner in good stuff <laughs> for right. all these years, and I've just admired your work often from afar, so it's really, really nice okay. to get to connect. Now, okay. something that you guys do that nobody else thought of or felt like doing is this amazing polling effort. So we're going to get to that in a minute. But first, just give us the rundown on VRG. What is Vegetarian Resource Group all about it, and why should everybody know you? Well, basically, we make it easier to be vegetarian or vegan. We've actually always really been vegan, uh, though vegetarian is in our name. Uh, we've always been more into outreach, and we believe in science. Um, I guess when we started in the 80s, a lot of people in the vegetarian movement um, were kind of anti-doctor, anti-dietitian, and thought that um, they didn't really believe in veganism. Um, our opinion was the same number of, ve- of doctors or dietitians really cared about veganism or believed in it as anybody else in society. And as it turns out, we're right. <laughs> and, you know, today there are certainly a lot of vegan doctors and vegan dietitians, um, school teachers, nurses, everybody. So basically we try to make it easier um, and be scientific and be pre- produce practical information. And there's a lot of info on our website at vrg.org, so you can take a look there. Terrific. Okay, why polls? Who had this right. idea and where did it come from? Okay, so I guess back in the really 80s and 90s, um, a lot of media, a lot of food companies, a lot of researchers, academics, students kept asking us how many vegetarians are there, how many vegans are there. And so we started digging up the polls to see what was out there. So one of the uh, polls that we found by a major polling organization, this is how they asked the question. They said many people in the 60s or 70s used drugs, were counterculture, and were vegetarian. Are you vegetarian? <laughs> it, it, it was like, really? I mean, this is a major polling organization, and, and the question was, so biased, right? Um, then other polls we found, they asked, um, are you vegetarian? And, the, and that's helpful, but the problem with those polls is everyone defines vegetarian very differently. Um, you know, in the movement, we have our own opinion that a vegetarian never eats meat, fish, or poultry, um, or a vegan doesn't use other animal products, but really when people answer those questions, um, they would do follow-up, and they would say, yes, I eat turkey once a week, or chicken, or I eat fish. So the reason we started doing the poll uh, is to get a more what we consider a more accurate answer to know what people are really saying. So the way we've asked the question is, do you never eat meat, fish, or poultry, or in the case of um, vegans, dairy or eggs? And, the re- and so our numbers may be a little bit different than others because we use the word never. Uh, and then also because we're not saying are you vegetarian, but we're defining it. Um, so that gives us a little bit better tracking of it. And what's interesting, often when we compare our polls to other polls, some, the answers are different, but when you look deeper, they're actually kind of similar, and, uh, and they reflect each other, if that makes any sense. So, for example, uh, one meat industry poll said that 90% of vegetarians uh, eat meat, right? 
which really isn't true because they're not vegetarian, but they were asking the question in a different way. And when you looked at it, our two answers really were, actually, were the same, but we weren't defining vegetarian as someone that eats meat. Exactly. So yeah. when did you do this most recent poll? Okay, so we did a poll this year in March, and what we do is we commission Harris. So we're not actually we, – we do some polls ourselves where we ask people, but they're not random polls. So they don't – they help us gather information but don't have the same kind of meaning. So this is a poll where we contract out to a major polling organization, you know, someone that would do like a presidential poll, the same kind of people. So um, this one we did in March, and they did about – Harris did about 2,000 people. And again, so this year what we asked – is do you never eat meat, fish, or poultry? Do you never eat it? But we also ask, um, do you never eat meat, fish, or poultry when you're eating out? Or um, do you sometimes eat meat, fish, or poultry when you're eating out? So we are trying to get at some different answers. Um, and what we found is the people that sometimes, when you're eating out, that never eat it or sometimes eat it, it came to about 37% of the population. So about a third of the population is sometimes eating vegetarian meals. Um, close to half of those, or a little bit less than half, were, said they're eating vegan, or eating no dairy or eggs, so they're eating vegan meals. Uh, we actually did not ask about honey in that case. In some polls we did, we, we didn't. But um, as far as eating out, never eating meals with meat, fish, or poultry, it was about 5%. And then as far as people that are always vegetarian, uh, it was about 3.3% this year. So what's interesting is when you're looking at um, if you're a food company or a marketer, you're an activist, I think this is important for the activists too, is to understand the different groups. So about a third of the country, about 37% or about a third, really are eating vegetarian meals. So if you look at the supermarkets, when you and I became vegan, um, there was really no soy milk in the supermarket. I mean, maybe veggie burgers, maybe not. Now just about every supermarket has soy milk, but they also have almond milk. You know, they, they have all these other items. They have tofurkey. They have deli slices. Um, what I would say, it happened probably because of us vegans, because we're a bunch of loudmouths, and, you know, we ask for it, we make it happen. But the reason it's really in the stores is because of this 37%. Um, so I think we need to, whether you're a food company or an activist, you need to kind of understand that. Um, then, you know, the 5% or the 3% um, will, if the item is available, will eat it, I mean, most likely. But for the 37%, there's a lot of other issues there, uh, whether it be cost or whatever. Um, there's also other um, dynamics for people looking for vegetarian meals that aren't necessarily directly vegetarian, but like some people want gluten-free. Okay, some people want organic, some want uh, non-GMO. I mean, it's a lot of issues that we're probably interested in, but it isn't necessarily a totally vegetarian issue. So if, when we're talking to a food company, we have to explain that to them. Uh, they have to think who they're marketing to. Do they need to make it also organic, even though that's not a totally vegetarian issue? Do they not? And, um, but they're also looking at price because people compare, uh, think about price. Okay. Um, we, of the thought of the, um, 3% that were vegetarian, about half of those were, also, were vegan also. So we consider a vegan also a vegetarian, but um, not, all, not all vegetarians are vegan, but all vegans are vegetarian in uh, the way we kind of look at these polls. Uh, so about half of the vegetarians, the 3%, 3.3% would include vegetarians and vegans, about, and about half are, are vegan. Um, Is that a smaller number 
from the last poll? I thought it was 2.5% were vegan. Well, you know, there's sampling error, so I think you can't really compare um, year to year. And I think sometimes people try to go up and they go down. Um, You're going to kind of have that uh, just with sampling error. So I think uh, what we would say is about um, 20 to 40% of, of vegetarians seem to be vegan also. Um, you know, it's hard to know exactly because, again, you always have sampling error, um, how the question is asked, who's answering the question. Uh, you know, it's like pres- look at presidential polls. Week to week they just change so much. Um, right. You know, even they've said it, this right now there's a difference of, say, 3 to 4% of the candidates. They basically said a statistical tie. Um, so, you know, sometimes you want to go and say, oh, you know, last year it was 0.2 and this year it's 0.3, but you really can't say that. Um, but what we would say is veganism is here to stay. Um, when we first started doing the polls, vegetarians were close to 1%. Um, you know, most people really did not know a vegan. They didn't know uh, what the word meant, and uh, they couldn't know where to find a vegan product. So that's totally changed. So I think that's what we really can say. It's definitely here. It's a movement. We know it's a movement. People know about it. Um, of the people that asked... Um, that said they eat at least one or more vegetarian meals a week or they always were vegetarian when eating out, um, we started asking some of the reasons um, this year, and that was kind of interesting. Again, you, always, you have sampling error, and it may change year to year, but of the vegetarians, um, animal came up the highest. Okay, so about 29% um, said we asked the main reason they were doing it in about 29%. Um, when we did our own polls of our members, which really is not a random poll, so you can't apply it to everybody, it's just kind of our own knowledge, pretty much they say whatever reason they became vegetarian, they take on the others. So if they became for animal reasons, they take on the health environmental. If they became for environmental, they take on the health and the animal. Um, Anecdotally, that's what I would say is true. I mean, I don't have proof of that, but pretty much everybody I talk to, usually they take on the other reasons. So that's what I think. However you come in, um, the other reasons do become important to you. But anyway, but for the vegetarians, uh, we came up with animals about 29%. It's about a third of the people. Health was second, about 18%. And then third was really cost. Um, cost seemed to be important. But if you add kind of all the subcategories that I consider non-health personal ethics kind of, which might be animals, religion, spiritual, environment, nonviolence, it was over 50% really for the vegetarians. Okay? Uh, but when we looked at the 36% of people that are sometimes are always eating vegetarian meals, you know, not, not the, the 3%, but the 36% that are eating vegetarian meals, the top reason was health. So it switched from like um, like 18% health for the vegetarians to like double for the sometimes eating vegetarian meals. Um, and then cost was about the same for both groups. Uh, animals was much less, like 8% versus 29%. 8% for the sometimes versus 29% for the people that are really vegetarian. Um, so I think this is uh, knowledge for both us as activists and food companies because there's somewhat different marketing. Um, I think for the activists, what we always say, however you want to reach people is the right way to go, that people 
all have different ways of being reached. Some it will be because of gory videos. Some don't want to watch the gory videos. Some health is important. Uh, some environment is important. And I would say whatever is in your heart as an activist, that's what you should be working on. Um, as a food company, um, they have to think what is their audience. Um, if they're a restaurant catering to vegans, obviously the animals are important. Um, the health may or may not be important, depending who your audience is. Um, you know, some people, a lot of vegans eat vegan donuts. Uh, may not be the healthiest thing, or vegan chocolate bars, right? Um, so they want that. The health people may or may not want that, depending on their interpretation of health. Um, so again, I don't think there's any right or wrong way, but it is something to be looking at. Uh, when we asked, we also asked of the non-vegetarian the people not eating any vegetarian meals, uh, what would cause you to eat vegan or vegetarian meals? And really the about a third of the population said nothing would cause them to eat vegetarian meals. So what it seems like is about a third are eating the vegan and vegetarian meals, about a third um, they could, you know, they're interested, and about a third are saying they have no interest. It doesn't mean it won't change. Um, but they're really not interested, which somewhat reflects other items in our population, I think, when you do surveys. Uh, but anyway, but the primary for the, non for the people not eating vegetarian meals is about 24%. Uh, so health was health, and that was most important. Cost was about the same as the other groups. Um, but the, uh, the ethical issues were only about 10% versus like 40 over 50% for the vegetarians, which I thought was very interesting. Um, so there's very different ways to reach people, you know, as, again, as us as activists, and they're all correct. They're right. All, they're, all, they're all correct, uh, but there are different ways. And, and, again, you have to do it in your heart and work on what you think is most important. Well, there's so many left to reach. I think we can all do it our way, and then when, uh, when right, the right, stats right, are right. turned around, then we can get more specific. So just very quickly here in our last minute, um, how about subgroups, right, uh, right. African-Americans, Latinos, right. how are they right. Um, right. stacking right. up? Right. What's interesting, everyone kind of assumes that you know blacks and Latinos are not interested, and basically about the same 3% as vegetarians, as the, the general we said are vegetarian, it's, it's, that's how many Latinos or, or blacks are interested, too. So it's pretty much the same. Uh, and in the past, we've actually gotten Latinos somewhat higher. Uh, sometimes people, I think, go to vegetarian conferences, and they say it's an all-white, middle-class conference. But it's really not true, okay? Uh, low-income came up high in our figures. There's low-income people, uh, many low-income people that are vegetarian and vegan. Um, it really is uh, male-female. Um, it, it's pretty close. You know, people, sometimes people think a lot more women are vegetarian, but maybe they go to conferences. I don't know. <laughs> did but you ask our, about political party this time? Uh, this time we did not. Okay, because uh, last it, time it was about equal. I was really surprised at that. Yeah, it wasn't as different as you would think it would be, um, which is surprising to people. Uh, but it's also interesting because you have the animal rights groups. Um, you have a lot of, I mean, people assume it's liberal. Um, there's a lot of conservatives that are animal rights people. Uh, there are indeed. And yeah. I think it's very important that we, you know, reach out across whatever other differences people feel because we all have arteries and we all have a heart, a metaphorical exactly. heart and a physical exactly. heart. So Exactly. You know, and I kind of feel, I mean, uh, 
that, I mean, I sort of had a, maybe a 70s mentality that I really became vegan more for social justice reasons and nonviolence reasons. And, you know, I think a lot of us in the 60s or 70s, uh, that's probably why. And I think that if we're veganism, that's what it really is. It's respecting other people, you know, um, and we kind of, it's about respecting what their beliefs are and what their reasons are. And that's to me what vegan, to me, that's what veganism is. You know, if health is important to you, then I need to respect that. If I like vegan donuts, okay, I happen to like vegan donuts, you know. Well, this, um, you know, but we can influence out people. Of, out okay? of time, but can I ask you a 30 second sure. question? Sure. As an organization that looks at the science, and you've really been very good about the health for decades, mm. and yet, it seems that the most rapid-growing sector is these food companies that are making, obviously, processed foods. Yeah. So what do you do with that? Uh, it concerns me because, uh, I mean, that's what people want. Um, I think it is concerning. Uh, in our poll, though, it's interesting because about 60 70% of people, uh, including vegans were actually higher, said they wanted lentils and they wanted kale and they wanted chickpeas. So I actually think there is demand for those healthier foods. Um, so I do think we need to keep encouraging that. And I understand, you know, we're promoting, you know, the vegan donuts and the vegan ice cream uh, because we want people to be vegan. But, yeah, I do think we need to be a little bit careful. Uh, I know when I first became vegan, I thought I'll never have ice cream, you know, again, and now I don't even care anymore. You know, it's like uh-huh. uh, my favorite dessert really is like blended frozen bananas. You know, <laughs> It's like it's so good, like through a peanut butter maker kind of thing. Yeah, it, it really maker. is good. People so, don't believe it till they try it. Charles, it, our time yeah. is up. I am so okay. sorry. Okay, good uh, The website, vrg.org, and I'll put all the social media on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. Bless your heart. Thank you guys for all you do. Thank you. And uh, I'll see you at some event or other. Good. Okay. Take care. Thanks so much, Charles. Everybody else, stay with us. We're going to bring you a celebrity chef and eternity. Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world. We count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, 
practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Bless me, Father, I have lied. You know what? I told you we were going to have Jason Robel on. Robel, I've learned how to pronounce his name from calling his cell phone to remind him that he's supposed to be calling us. But um, we're not reaching him. And this is a little bit weird because somebody stood us up last week. I am beginning to feel like the girl who stands at the edge of the dance not getting asked. That's a bad feeling. The good feeling is that the illustrious Charles Stoller from the Vegetarian Resource Group is saving the day and has uh, returned to us so that we can continue the show and learn more fascinating information from him. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Charles. Before we get started, New York. (laughs) So um, before we get started uh, with Charles, there are a couple of announcements of what's going on in the wonderful world of Main Street Vegan. Are you wanting to be fitter? You know. I see somebody sleeveless in that amazing kind of arm thing that they have going on. You know, for a while it was Madonna, and then it was uh, the First Lady. And now for me, it's Danielle Legg. Um, she was my assistant. Now she's gone on to bigger things. Uh, but you know Danielle. She was on the show when she uh, managed to get a couple of chickens out of a slaughterhouse just by being nice to the people who work there. And in recent months, she has gone crazy on the fitness thing. She looks amazing. She is strong as the proverbial ox. And she's written a wonderful blog post about how we can all do that. It's called Fitness. It's all in your head. And you can check that out at MainStreetVegan.net slash blog. So do take a look there. There's some great pictures, too. If you loved Robert Wise last week, Robert Wise from the Non-Human Rights Project, Getting Human Status for Chimps and Apes and Elephants and Others, um, that film is showing this week in New York City. It's called Unlocking the Cage. It's at the Film Forum. Uh, just uh, go online, check out Unlocking the Cage, a non-human rights project, and see if the film is going to be screening in your area. Well worth seeing. It's getting amazing press. Speaking of films, Main Street Vegan Productions is honored to be producing a new documentary, The Compassion Project. From filmmaker Thomas Wade Jackson, this is a documentary about vegans and faith, people who are religious and spiritual who are vegan, and those who aren't. 
and how we can get those who aren't to come on over. So check out the Compassion Project. They're on Facebook. They just uh, got a Twitter page called Compassion Movie. Uh, and I will let you know next week when that GoFundMe is up how you can be a part of it. And then we'll all produce this lovely documentary film. One last announcement. Some people write to me and say, I just discovered your podcast. I just listened to all three and a half years. What am I going to listen to now? Well, here's something else you can listen to. My friend and colleague Sherry Clark interviewed dozens of health, nutrition, exercise, and lifestyle authors, researchers, and experts. And she has done a teleseminar called So What the Fork? So you can tell from that, this is lighthearted and fun. Lots of great information, too. I'm one of the experts. There are many others. And she'll be doing that again for free, May 27th to 30th. And you can check that out at SoWhatTheFork.com. Now, I'm back with Charles Stoller. Hey, Charles. Thank you for being a hero. Sure, Victoria. Yeah, we're all <laughs> heroes in this movement, right? In the, you know, the, the vegans, I, we're all heroes. I honestly believe that, even when there is disagreement. So let's finish up on the polling. In having done this for as long as you've done it, what is it telling us? How do people see us, and what do you think the odds are for that wonderful, wonderful ideal of a vegan world? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, when I became vegetarian, I guess in 75, I didn't know any vegetarians. Um, and so that certainly changed, I think, when we know a lot of vegetarians. When uh, I met my first vegans, I guess in 77, I thought they were nuts. And I, was, I think I was correct. They were a little crazy. Uh, but the ideas were good, right? Uh, but pretty much, I think no, it was non-existent, um, the whole notion. I mean, certainly that's changed today where people know what the word vegan is. Most restaurants, so many restaurants now have seen their vegan options. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure exactly. But I think we went from like 50 vegan restaurants a while ago to like over maybe 600 in the country now. And I, I can't remember the exact number. Um, so that has certainly changed. Um, we do these scholarship contests. Um, I know we've been doing for about 20 years. We give, and we also an essay contest. Um, we give, currently we give like a five thousand dollar, two five thousand dollar prize to activists in high school who promoted vegetarianism, and a ten thousand dollar prize um, to an activist. But I would say when we first started doing the essay contests, uh, maybe or when I'm thinking back. To my youth, I didn't know any vegetarians in my high school or my grade school. Uh, then I would say maybe when we started doing the essay contest, kids would say they knew one in the school. Uh, and now it's almost like every class um, has a vegetarian uh, in the classroom. And maybe every school probably has one or two vegans. Um, so that's a tremendous change. Um, when we started doing the polls, maybe you know 1% of people are vegetarians and maybe 10% of those were vegan. Uh, now we're getting 1% to 2% of people being vegan. So this is tremendous, tremendous change um, that is unbelievable in my lifetime. So I think, you know, if you look at the glass half empty, half full, the glass is amazingly full. I mean, in my lifetime, this is just hard to believe. Um, on the other hand, <laughs> uh, only 3 or 4% of the people are really vegetarian, so we, have a, we do have a ways to go. Um, I think someday almost most of us will be vegan. Um, you know, that's just something I think that will be someday. Um, 
will it be in our lifetime? I don't know. Um, it's interesting with the ethical component. Um, like everything else in our society, um, it amazes me that we have all these wars still today. Um, how is that possible? Um, again, growing up in the 60s and 70s, I thought we were changing, and sometimes it's, to many of us it seems worse. Um, but there are many different pieces of society, and people feel very different. Um, in your little commercial, uh, you mentioned about people being religious. Um, people have very different opinions, uh, and somehow I guess we need to talk to everyone with those different opinions, uh, whether they are 180 degrees different from us or not, that we need to be talking to each other. Does that answer your question? You know, it, it does. It's a lot of food for thought. So how do you feel about this country, um, the United States? I know that's where you've been polling. But I look at some other places. I mean, somebody has told me, and again, I don't know how official this is, but that a place like Florence, Italy, has a huge percentage of of vegans. And and we know that that the country, the entire country of Israel, huge percentage of, of vegans and We've been working at this. You and I have been working at this for over 30 years. And, (laughs) you know, we're still at our little kind of one and a half percent. Well, what my gut is, I question all the figures, because, again, the way we're asking the polling numbers, we're going to get a lot smaller numbers, okay? So, you know, when we say, um, we say, do you sometimes eat vegetarian meals? We're getting 37% when you're eating out, and about half are are, um, vegan, right? So personally, I think if you ask the poll in a certain way, you're going to get the high number. So I'm not totally convinced <laughs> that the numbers are as high as people say they are. You know, they may be eating vegan products like we are, but often when you ask further questions of people, uh, it isn't necessarily what people think it is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, people are maybe eating vegan-style meals, but whether they're vegan, um, you know, like people will tell me you can't be vegan in New York, and there's so many vegan restaurants in New York, there's so many vegan foods, right? Um, so, I, you know, what's really true or not true is sometimes hard to know. Uh, but no matter what, it, we're still going in that direction, you know, whether it's here or in other places. Yes. You know, the fact so, that it, vegan or vegetarian is really, vegetarian is now a positive word. Uh, vegan is, is a more known word. It's, it's positive sometimes, maybe not always positive. Um, I think we should keep using it. Sometimes people are afraid to use it. I think, you know, we should use it. Oh, I think we should use it too. Everybody who listens to this show knows that that's one of my soapboxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I vegetarian. Mean, yeah, go ahead. Well, we've worked so hard for people to know what it is that then to go off and come up with some other word, it's, it's just, you know, we can, you can modify it. Like we used to say health vegan for somebody that was very concerned about, you know, the whole food and the organic and all that. So I think sometimes people just don't want to say that they're vegan because they don't want somebody to think that they had a donut yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I would rather think somebody thought I'd eaten a donut than that I'd eaten a cow. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think there's this perfection thing out there that um, we just need to recognize none of us are, are perfect. And um, if, if, we're health, if we're a health person... Uh, then we can't get stressed out about everything <laughs> if you're doing it for health reasons. And so if you're a health vegan, you shouldn't be stressed out. And then if you're a, um, an ethical or animal rights vegan, uh, you're doing it for compassion, so you need to have compassion towards people that, agree, that you don't 100% agree with. True. And so that so, is what veganism needs, needs to be. 
you know, you can have your own strong views. Uh, I think without judging other people, without feeling animosity towards others, and you can be positive and encouraging towards others, but still have your strong views. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I came up with a thing that I call the Unity Pledge that I have been posting around. In fact, I'll put it on the show notes since I mentioned it so people can see it. It's just a little statement that is, if you are a fellow vegan, I will uphold your work. I won't necessarily support it. I won't necessarily be thrilled about every aspect of it, but I'm going to uphold that work because there are so few of us trying to do this that we're just too little to be sweating the fine points. Right. You know, we're learning throughout life. I mean, you know, what you believed 20 years ago isn't what you believe now, and it's not going to be what you believe in 20 years. You know, you're you're going to modify your beliefs. And, um, you know, I think that's definitely true with health. I mean, um, anyone that says they know the exact perfect diet, you know not to trust that information because we don't really know. Um, You know, we're working on what works for us and, you know, what is science saying, and you're kind of combining it, and, and it, you know, it changes somewhat. And what do you see? I know that you work with a lot of physicians and, and dietitians. Are, are there some new findings? Is there anything that surprised you health-wise in the last few years that's come out? Uh, well, again, I'm not a dietitian, so I'm not the best person to answer that. Um, you know, I think when people were really going on these low-fat diets, I was very dubious. <laughs> so, personally, I, I just don't believe in extremes. Personally, that's not my science, but, you know, now... Now they're more saying, oh, you know, you really want to get omegas. You don't want to be on this low-fat diet, um, totally low-fat diet, you know, and everyone has a, a different definition. Um, I still think a variety of foods, you know, again, not speaking as a dietitian, but I think uh, that's sort of the answer in the long run. You know, and, and if people have trouble with veganism, it, it may be, it's too hard to be vegan, well, um, let's, we kind of tell people, what are you eating now? And, you're, and you're, So it's not like you're trying to go from a, um, a total junk um, non-vegetarian to a total perfect health vegan. You know, let's figure out what works for you. Okay, again, I'm not, I'm not a dietitian, but I, I think you need to kind of look individually within the concept of broad concepts. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. I remember when I was on tour with Main Street Vegan, this lovely young guy was driving me around in in Chicago. He'd just gotten out of college, and he said, I don't know why anybody thinks that it's hard to be vegan, because when I want pizza, I have vegan pizza. When I want a burrito, I have a vegan burrito. When I want a chili cheese dog, I have a vegan chili cheese dog. And I thought, now, if that was how I ate all the time, (laughs) I probably would not be running around saying, oh, being vegan is great for when you're growing older. But I love the idea that he just took what he did and translated it into what he could do. And that's a very sensible, because, you know, most of us are not quite eating like a young man just out of college. Right, right, right. what we're doing now and, and just veganize it. And you know, you guys have always been infinitely practical. I remember when your book Simply Vegan came out, I thought, where have they been keeping this? Because I was really working hard in the kitchen, trying to cook all this food from scratch and do right by my family and that. And it was like, are you serious? You mean I can actually use a can opener at least some of the time? It was great. 
Right. You know, um, there was this is local um, feeding site where they feed homeless people and, you know, poor people, and they feed like 700 meals a day. And someone was trying to, um, you know, get them to do vegetarian meals. And supposedly about 10% are ask, asking for vegetarian meals. So they wanted this real complicated thing. But um, what our food service person, Nancy Burkhoff, did is she came up with, like, three simple recipes that – and people make casseroles. Volunteers make casseroles, and they can bring them in, okay, to, um, to the soup kitchen. And so this was something – she made casseroles that had to serve a certain amount of people, had to be a certain size, it had to be inexpensive. You know, it couldn't be this expensive tofu thing that people – but, you know, using some beans and grains, uh, which we put on the site. And now people could bring that in. Um, and so if they want to help people create vegan meals, here is something simple uh, for a homeless shelter. Or really, it's on the website, so you can use this anywhere in the country. So, you know, you can um, – create something very complicated if you want to influence your local feeding site or you could give them some easy recipes and uh, make some easy dishes for them. Uh, you know, if it's a gourmet restaurant and they want some gourmet res- recipes, that's what they need. Well, I, I love how we are able to to cover the bases. I remember seeing you and Deborah. oh, this was many, many years ago, at a convention of the American Dietetic Association, now the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics that happened to be in my then hometown of, of Kansas City. Right. And I walked in and thought I was in the wrong part of the convention center because I saw Nestle's and Hershey's and Coca-Cola and McDonald's. And I was just leaving to go find the dietetic convention when you guys came up to me and said, oh, glad you're here and all that. (laughs) So we live in a little bit of a schizophrenic society when it comes to food. Right. Uh, when we first start doing going to the dietetic conferences, and these are um, it's an organization of the seventy thousand dietitians in the country, uh, and about ten thousand people attend their conference. Basically, it was us, <laughs> right, and, and everyone else, which was not us or vegetarian. Uh, and people said you're crazy, and we're saying no. You know, dietitians were interested, and every year we're flooded by interest. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, I say that the dietitians are like locusts; they come by for the information, you know, uh, from our booth. Um, and, and it's great. Uh, but what happened is, as things evolved, uh, now like silk, you know, like silk soy milk is there. Um, you know, and other, um, you know, some of the other vegetarian companies are now there. So you That's still great. have what you're talking about, but it is changing. So, you know, change um, can happen. Uh, not as fast as some of us would like, but faster than maybe we would expect. Mm-hmm. Right? And, you know, this is so interesting to me because nobody goes into dietetics who doesn't have a sincere desire to help people eat better and be healthier, just like nobody goes into veterinary medicine who doesn't really care about animals. And I was talking this morning with someone who's who's been working as, as a veterinary technologist about there, there are two vegetarians in this entire large clinic where she works. Right. And I just think it's the same thing. You know, the, the right. real world kind of intervenes, and it's our job to make what's real different. And right. you guys yeah, certainly... It, it, go ahead. Yeah. 
Yeah, every year, um, University of Maryland brings 10 of their dietitian students to our office. What happens is, uh, to become an RD, first you do your four years, you get your undergrad degree, and then, like a doctor, the kids do a year internship. Um, anyway, so in this program at Maryland, you know, so this, they've already had the nutrition, undergrad nutrition degree, and they're doing the internship, where their proctor, who is not vegetarian, actually thinks it's important to bring her students by our office every year, which she does, which she does every year. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, one student was, ve- out of the ten, one student was vegan, and who actually, she did a, a two-week rotation with us, because you have to do these rotations, but um, the others were not vegetarian. Um, so it's like you say, they're not, but at least they're being exposed to the information and they're hearing it. Um, and they are, they're all very, they are very sincere, they want to make people um, healthier, better. Uh, they are coming from a different vantage point, but, so we need to keep educating um, these professional groups. Mm-hmm. Well, and as we get more and more people in your polls, I think there will be more of that. I think about my dad went to medical school so long ago that everybody who went through the, the program had to be at at least one home birth because a lot of people were still doing that then. Well, now it's kind of cycled around and a lot of people are doing home birth again. And I just feel like when more people are are vegan and vegetarian, then the schools are going to have to say, well, you're going to have to understand about this because a lot of people are doing it. Right. Right. I mean, tongue-in-cheek, I guess, would be if the vegetarians don't end up in the hospital, then they won't know much about it. But that's all. Let me ask you about this because – uh, we've had uh, Matt Resigno come to teach for, for Main Street Vegan Academy, and, and his topic is not overselling the health benefits. Uh-huh. So this is a really healthy way to eat, but as far as I know, it hasn't brought about immortality in anybody. Right. What do you do right. with that? Right. Um, well, again, I'm not a dietitian, uh, but I, have, I agree with Matt. Um, What's health isn't ne- healthy isn't necessarily the vegan diet. I mean, there are so many factors. You know, again, you you could live on vegan donuts, right? <laughs> so it isn't just because you're vegan that's necessarily healthy, right? You can have an unhealthy. Ve- you can eat on a meat diet. You could eat potato chips and beer on a vegan diet. You can live on potato chips and beer. So one is you can't just say vegan versus meat diet. I mean, there are other factors, but there are a lot of other factors. You know, there's genetics, there's environment, there's pollution, there's stress. There's um, you know, living in Kansas City could be stressful. Living in New York could be a different stress. Um, yeah, so I don't think we can say being vegan is going to make your life eternal. Uh, you know, there's some benefits to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's probably not realistic to say that. Uh, what I would it- say is any, anybody can be vegan and anyone, anyone could be a healthy vegan. I think that really should be our message. Yes. I think that's the real message. Um, and we should be help. We can help people do that, and that's right. maybe in the movement. That's what we should be doing. Yes. Yeah. You know, there is a pro. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and also um, Isaac Bashevis Singer, when asked, mm-hmm. "Are you vegan or vegetarian for your health?" and he said, "No, I do it for the health of the chickens." So we <laughs> know we've always got that one covered. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So as someone who has been vegan since 1977, and it was not easy back then. I mean, it really wasn't. Go on a road trip as a vegan in 1977 and plan to lose some weight because that's what was going to happen. But how do you stay excited? How do you keep it fresh? 
do you ever feel like, oh, tired of talking about vegetables? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I think that what I personally like doing uh, with our group, it isn't really converting people to, to being vegan, but I really like having young interns, which we have a lot of young interns, like, you know, high school in their 20s. Um, so I enjoy that. I mean, you know, they're new, they're enthusiastic, they bring new ideas. Um, you know, for our scholarship contest, we've gotten about 270 applications from high school activists. Um, I enjoy doing that. Um, so I guess um, I, I like working with, you know, the young people and encouraging them and I guess learning from them, really. How do you see their motivation as different from our motivation when we were their age? Um, well, of course, they know they, um, a lot of them, they actually are the only vegetarian or vegan, but it's more common, if that makes sense. So I think I didn't really know what existed outside of myself. I think they may know something exists, but actually, surprisingly, a lot of them don't really have vegetarian friends or know that many vegetarian friends. Um, Actually, surprising to me is a lot of our interns say they're not in, that into social media because I always think, oh, this is great, you're into social media. <laughs> I'm surprised how many actually are not. Um, they're actually almost similar that it, it's social justice, you know, it's a wider viewpoint of the world. Um, some of the, but maybe those might be people coming to us, um, some of the animal rights people, um, I mean, I really became a vegetarian because of not killing. Um, but it wasn't against anybody. So uh, I think sometimes movements are against people, so that's a little bit different uh, for some of the people. Uh, a lot of our scholarship um, applicants actually will write, when I first started doing this in high school, I wanted to show the gory pictures, I yelled at people, and I realized that's not the way to go. <laughs> so I had to start listening to people more and start uh, being a little bit kinder. Uh, but, you know, that's that's part of a lot of movements. I mean, that's how a movement is. Um, so the animal rights does have some of the anger in it sometimes, I think, which really wasn't necessarily our movement in the beginning. Yeah, I think we just felt like we were so outnumbered, we could be really sad about the animals, but I don't know that we felt we had enough people to be angry. <laughs> Yeah. So maybe it all phases through, and it's it's uh, good to have all of that emotion behind us. Yeah. Well, but Charles, again, I think we can't. We, I just want to say we can't judge because everybody is different. So exactly, we're coming exactly. down to everyone. Back to the beginning, everyone is different, and you know, appreciate oh, where people are. And everybody in this movement, I am so grateful um, that they're here. So you know the website vrg.org. Uh, Facebook is the Vegetarian Resource Group. Twitter, well, you know, we have to be short on Twitter, Veg Resource GRP, uh, Vegetarian Resource Group on Instagram. I will put all of that on the show notes. If you go to MainStreetVegan.net, click on podcast and you will get a drop box that says show notes and that will show you everywhere on earth that you can find Charles and all the good work of the Vegetarian Resource Group. Thank you so much, Charles, for helping us out more than you even volunteered for. So (laughs) thank you so much. As as an activist, you're used to. (laughs) Right. We do what we have to do. (laughs) Everybody, next week is going to be really interesting. We have Amish Shah, who has come out with a new documentary about Ayurveda, wonderful Indian 
healing system. And then we will be bringing on Jonathan Balcombe with his new book, What a Fish Knows. I want to know what a fish knows, don't you? Deborah said it was a great book. She's reviewing it for our vegetarian journal and said it's a good book. So. Wonderful. <laughs> Listen Wonderful. to your pocket. Listen to that. <laughs> Yay. Charles, bless great. your heart. Thank you okay. so much. Thanks, Jeff. And Unity Online Radio for just making all this possible to everybody. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Life is a balancing act. With hectic schedules and ceaseless demands on our time and attention, we've learned to prioritize. So often, though, I neglect to make time for what is most important. In our drive to get things done, there is an underlying desire, a need we all share, the need for peace. It is a gift that waits within me, ready to be enjoyed if I will simply allow myself the opportunity to connect. Inner peace lessens the everyday stresses of life and reminds me that how I am, the mental and spiritual point from which I view myself, is as important as what I do. I can make peace a priority. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. Ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. 
we will discuss through lecture, live interviews, and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things. 
as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find my God. I will leave this world as it is. The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find my God. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patris, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.